surrounded. He woke. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. We're on the road today right across the street from our normal location in studio at 201 South Pioneer. It's Big Splash Burger. We're hanging out in here eating some delicious food that we'll be telling you about all hour long. Uh, So we appreciate um, Montana and Evan for allowing us to uh, come across and start working with some new equipment and test everything out right here at Big, Big Splash Burger this morning. Coming up on the show, it's football, 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 and just a smidge of softball and baseball. We'll hit the NFL stuff at the end of the show. Uh, what happened yesterday, last night, my goodness, the Chiefs look like an absolute unstoppable force on offense. College football weekend in the state of Oklahoma was embarrassing for one school and maybe uh, one of the bigger wins in the history of the other school as uh, Oklahoma State, a huge win down in Waco over the Baylor Bears. Oklahoma, I don't know if they got off the bus in Fort Worth to take on TCU. Also look around the country after Oklahoma State's win. That solidifies them uh, with a chance uh, to not only win the Big 12, but also puts them right in the midst of the playoff chase. Going back to Friday night, well, we got to go back to Elk City's win over Clinton at Big Elk Stadium on Friday night. And then we'll tell you uh, from around the western Oklahoma who was able to get into the softball and the fall baseball state tournaments that will be coming up this week in Class A and Class B. So that's kind of what we've got on the menu for the show. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind feel free to chime in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, there are a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. One of those is to log on to kadsam.com, or you can download the Paragon Communications app. The app has it all. Three radio stations, the Penny News, also Big Elk TV and Paragon TV. As uh, We'll have three games on this week with the Big Elks on the road at Cash. We've got Merritt and then Hollis starting their district play against Laverne. So a lot to look forward to coming up on Friday night with the uh, live stream of those high school football games. Also, if you missed the show entirely, you can go back and check us out online, kadsam.com or iTunes. Good morning, Jared. How are you? I am uh, enjoying just a lovely I can see that. breakfast. I like uh, how you said that's on the menu today. I think your mind is on the menu here at Big Splash. Yeah, you saw what I did there. I saw what you did. I heard what you did there, yes. I've got the breakfast scrambler. Man, it's got some sausage. It's got eggs, cheese. It's got bell peppers, onions, mushrooms, jalapenos. It is just fantastic right here at 201 South Pioneer. We'll be telling you all about it. Breakfast till 1030, uh, lunch till 2. Elk City, first four possessions of having the football, weren't able to ever get a first down. But the defense, as we saw in the Canadian game uh, here at Big Elk Stadium, the defense was able to keep the Elks in it uh, for the, the, the first quarter. And finally, Elk City's offense settled in, started uh, really getting some things going there right before halftime, had a 14-6 lead. I thought the play from uh, uh, Cooper Patton 
changed everything, right? Because up until that point, it was all Clinton. Um, you know, the Red Tornadoes, it, they were only up 6 nothing, but it felt like it was already like a three-score game mm-hmm. with the way that the, the Clinton defense dominated Elk City's offense early on. But then Patton goes 80. You look up on the scoreboard, and, and shockingly enough, the Elks had the lead at 7-6. to six. I thought Elk City took control in the second quarter. Um, weren't able to probably put as many points on the board as they wanted to, but still 14-6 lead at halftime. And then from there, it was just an absolute slobber knocker in the second half with just defenses battling back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, you know, to me, there were two plays of the game. One was Cooper Patton on the on the two-point conversion, having the presence of mind. Uh, as JV on Hill had to, to sky for the catch, he was able to push him out of bounds and maintain a two-point lead. And then, of course, the call from Coach Maynard at the end, fourth and five at your own 46 with a minute 47 on the clock. Clinton out of timeouts instead of punting the football. Uh, Coach Maynard had the confidence in not only his offense, but maybe even his defense if that call didn't work. Uh, but Cooper Garbarino made one guy miss, kind of spun a few yards short of the, of the line to gain. And then the offensive line just grabbed him. Aiden Long mm-hmm. pulls him toward him. Trevino kind of finishes it off. And the Elks get six yards and seal it there on a huge call uh, from the coach. And then obviously pretty decent execution to get the first down. Just a, It was a heck of a night at Big Elk Stadium Yeah, we, we, we broke that play down before we went off air about all the intangibles of why make that call, the pros, the negatives. There's more, a lot more pros than negatives when making that call. I think the defense was a, was a big – reason why Maynard went for it, knowing Clinton has no timeouts. There'd be like roughly, what, 90 seconds, if less than that? I can't remember the clock. Yes, I think it was like one – I think it was 156. When the ball Because remember, they had, to, they had to add the three seconds back right, right. Uh, after Clinton called their final timeout. And, and But, again, I mean, right there about midfield uh, was the line to gain. And um, it was so even if it came up a yard short, like, okay, you're going to make Clinton go 50, 49 yards in that short amount of time without timeout where the Big Elk defense was has shown all night that, that that they limited or really you can't think of one big explosive play that Clinton had. They limited Clinton to to, you know, two yards here, three yards there, you know, having to convert one big fourth down that got him within a couple of points, but um that eventually did. So I think there's a lot of pros there. And then the way it was called too, coming out showing the the uh, Wildcat formation with uh, Garbarino and then calling the timeout, like, okay, this is the defense we saw. And, the, you know, but everybody, including us up in the box, were thinking, well, that was just to see if you can get a cheap five here, just to hard count them and see if they can jump and then call it a night. But uh, then he sends it back out again because we thought, okay, he's going to punt. So did Clinton. Sent, he sent somebody that they sent a guy back out to return it. And then they saw, no, they're actually going to take a snap. And he came in. So it made me think, and I know it's 4A and there's a lot of – guys who play both ways, special teams, defense, offense. It made me think they were preparing punt return the entire time. They did not prepare the X's and O's on actually running a play here. So kind of a – it was a chess match that, that Maynard won right there. It was it was impressive. Um, I, how do we say it without saying it? The huevos. The, the, <laughs> the, the huevos on, <laughs> on Maynard. And, but he, and I keep going back. To, that's how Maynard has been play calling all season long with certain situations like that where – it's a trust thing that he has in his guys, and that's big time uh, for, uh, for young men to know, my coach trusts me. My coach believes that I can get those, those yards needed or, or we're going to go for it on the fourth down. And, yeah, it was huge, and, and 
arguably one of the biggest wins in, in Big Elk history. Now, it could be the biggest win depending on how the rest of the season goes because you can always go back to that win. But it, it, it's huge where the rest of the season goes. Like, well, my coach trusts me. You know, okay, we're going to go for it here. You know, no matter the situation, say against Weatherford or Cash next week or whoever. So it's it's uh, that one play. I mean, we're going. We thought the biggest play of the season was the two point conversion against Canadian. Uh uh-uh. uh That might be the biggest play of the decade that happened on Friday night, depending on how the rest of the season comes out. Yeah, I think you make a good point about what gives the confidence that they could give those guys later on down the season on a call like that, just to, to know and the belief uh, that Coach Maynard showed the offensive line, uh, the, the folks having the ball, Garbarino having the ball in his hands, but then also, in case it doesn't work, the defense as well, and, and having that much faith in what the defense has done. And as Billy said on the text line, you know, the, the defensively, Elk City had a pretty good handle on what Clinton was doing for most of the night. You know, there, there was the one drive there in the third quarter where Clinton was able to really kind of move the ball and an unfortunate penalty, which I can't believe it's a penalty, but it, we all knew it was as soon as he did it. But Trey Bennett, the fullback, his longest run of the night, and it was helped by him hurtling one of the big young defenders. But in, in high school football, that's a personal foul penalty. I, and, it, and it's a player safety thing. Yeah, I get the player we all kind of yeah. understand what it is, but at the same time, you know, making an athletic play like that, and getting penalized for I've it, been, almost yeah. it, it, it seems counterproductive to me for that to be a penalty when a guy can make that athletic yeah. a play on the field. And, and quite honestly, it was a huge play in the game mm-hmm. because he's down inside the five-yard line after he hurdles the Big Elk defender. Clinton's got everything going. They, they, they completely shut off all the things Elk City's offense tried to do in the second half until that final drive. Mm-hmm. Elk City did not have a first down until the last time they touched the ball. They right. got two first downs to seal the game. Uh, but that play it sticks in my mind if you're, if you're on the Clinton side of things going, what could have been if, you know, it, it, it's just one of those reactionary plays that Bennett made, and it was a hell of a play that Bennett made. Unfortunately, it's a penalty on him yeah. when that happens. So that, that, was, that was one of those things that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, I think, with what happened at the end. But that was a, a certainly a turning point. Uh, in, in Elk City's favor because as soon as that happened, a couple of negative plays and all of a sudden Jordan Brown was punting. Right, yeah. That that play, I've, I've been even before that game, I've always been kind of vocal about how I don't like it. And I get it, player safety. Player safety, I get it. <clears throat> Excuse me, that burrito kind of <laughs> hiccup. Um, but, you know, I, I hate penalizing athleticism, you know, and that was a heck of a play that he made, but it is against the rules and they had to throw the flag. But, you know, is it – I, this is a discussion for another day, but is it really 15 yard bad yeah. penalty? I mean, come on, we have we had every. I mean, we had a ejections last or Friday night. We've you know you got your face mask penalties for fifth, the personal fouls, all that stuff. But a guy being athletic, you're going to penalize him for 15 yards. I mean, why not just a five yarder? But that's another discussion. I, it's just something I think the OSSAA needs to go back and relook at. But that is a, that was a big play, absolutely a big play, and. And it showed you that bend-don't-break defense that the Big Oaks had, you know, taking a Clinton mistake and making them pay for it, you know, using that opportunity. Like, man, they were going in, and, and now it pushed them back and made them pay for it. So uh, credit to Big Elks for, for using that opportunity uh, for them. Yeah, it's hard to believe that a dude jumping over a, a defender gets the same penalty as two guys over there fighting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wrestling around. And, I know. And so. All right. It's just I I don't agree with the 15 yards. I get player safety. I'm all for player safety, but I don't get 15 yards. You know, for a guy that that 
you know, they practice the broad jump in the weight room, but now you're going to penalize them for it. I, I don't get it, but Seems whatever. Seems incredibly punitive. It a little, a little for, bit. Uh, for what that was. I mean, he, he literally didn't touch a guy. No, and got a 15 he got a 15-yarder. Uh, so w- with that win, though, the Elks improved to 1-0 on the district uh, behind Chickasha. Chickasha is 2-0. and They're the only um, undefeated team that has played multiple district games in 4A1. So Chickasha 2-0. and Cash and Elk City come in at 1-0, and and those two teams will play on Friday night down at Cash. So another huge game. And, and quite frankly, the first three here with the way the standings are right now for Elk City, you go Clinton, you go Cash, you go Chickasha. Boom, boom, boom. And if you can find a way to navigate those waters at 3-0, and then you feel really good with that mulligan in your pocket against the teams that are closest to you in the standings with wins over them. You really feel good about your chances to go ahead and, and take home the, the District 4A1 crowd, uh, crown if the Elks can get the back-to-back-to-back wins over those three schools. Here's the deal. We knew going in this was going to be the game that could not make or break a season, but set a trajectory for a season. Getting the win is huge. The Big Elks have got to – I hope they enjoyed it over the weekend, but now it's time to get back to work. Because you can't have a letdown on the road that cash. You can't have a letdown – uh, versus what looks like a, a, a formal opponent in Chickasha. Weatherford's always a, a, a tough out, especially in the Eagles' nest over there in Weatherford. So, it, yeah, you got the big win. You got you got the, the inside track to a district title. But don't, you know, take care of it. Don't have a letdown. Go in we, each week businesslike and get it done. Yeah, and that's the, that's the part of it, right? Because all these guys are you know, 16, 18 years old and, and getting a win that none of them have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. None of, you know, none of those guys have been on the field for a win over Clinton. Right, and their varsity And their varsity career. careers yeah. in high school. So, you know, that's something that you know wherever they go this week uh, around town, they're going to absolutely be patted on the back, be, you know, way to go. You guys be Clinton, da-da-da. But, but you've got to find yeah. a way to, to be able to, yes, enjoy it. Enjoy the win. it doesn't happen very it's often. It's not it, – the, the – Goals are not done, you know. It can't be. It can't, this can't be cannot, the highlight of the season. Exactly. And I'm, I guess I'm saying this to the rest of the community, too, <laughs> because everybody is, I mean, we're selling special brand of donuts and we're going <laughs> yes. crazy and having, you know, I get it. Celebrate it. But remember, this is not the, the goal this season wasn't just to beat Clinton. The goal this season was to, to maybe win a district title, get back to the playoffs, maybe host a couple playoff games, and then. So who knows what happens? I mean, that is a big opportunity right here. Big opportunity to host a couple playoff games. And then you never know, might just travel a little ways to Weatherford again for a semifinal. You never know. But I'm knocking on wood. We got to go one at a time here. One at a time. There we go. Trying to look up some different what rankings. What would you do without me? Man? <laughs> I was, well, I had it on mute. I was just about <laughs> to mute it. Um, the other scores around District 4A1 for Friday night. You missed Chickasha looks pretty good. As they defeat John Marshall 31 to 14, Weatherford gets their first district win, and Woodward remains un, uh, remains defeated uh, at 33 to 14. Weatherford knocked off Woodward Cash. They played Thursday night in a non-district game up at Southeast. Hail Mary to beat them uh, there at the end. So uh, it, it doesn't hurt Cash in the district standings, but they do lose to Southeast there on Thursday. Sticking with the high school football down in Class A District One. On Friday night, Texoma came out and spoiled Merritt's homecoming. Red Devils beat the Oilers 39-20. to Fairview looks like an absolute state title contender through the first five weeks of the season as Fairview knocks off Thomas 70-12. to Burns Flat Dill City got a huge win over Moreland, a game that they trailed early, 
the Eagles stay undefeated, 20-14 to 14 over Moreland. And then Sayre took a long trip just to get uh, a pop knot put on their head as Hooker knocks off Sayre 50-14. to 14. The, uh, I was looking up the Tulsa World Rankings to see how they compare with what the Oklahoman has. AP's not out yet. In 4A, it's uh, the same six and just a little bit different order. Okay, so the Oklahoman, uh, their top six is Wagner 1, Cushing 2, Tuttle 3, Poto 4, Elk City 5, Clinton 6. In the Tulsa World, they've got Cushing number 1, Tuttle number 2, Wagner 3, Poto 4, Elk City 5, Clinton 6. So the top three are kind of jumbled a little bit differently depending on which poll you look at. Uh, But Elk City number 5 in both polls, I can't wait to see where they're at in the AP when that comes out. Uh, just because of that win, kind of how they stack everybody up. But I, I think uh, probably, what were they, eight or nine last week, tied for ninth, I think, uh, with Hildale going into the Clinton game. So they, they'll probably be somewhere in that seven to four, five range uh, in the AP as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Down I agree in- that the Big Oaks were a top five team. They proved it. And um, I'm, I'm – I know, I just said don't get ahead of yourself. But, man, I'm really anxious to see what the next, uh, what, five more weeks, uh, how they look for the Big Elks in and, and, um, 98. It's the last time playoff host host a playoff game. Uh-huh. Last time to win the district, last time to host a playoff game, 1998. Man. Looking down at uh, Class A, I don't know, in the AP, Burns Flatdale City has been getting some votes. They got one two weeks ago. They got three last week. I don't see the others receiving votes type thing here on the Tulsa World or the Oklahoman, but they're not found in the top ten of either one of those polls. Fairview, the one team out of District 1, is number three in both the Oklahoman and also the Tulsa World Poll. Then when you look down at Class B, you've got Shattuck, number one, in the Tulsa World, number two in the Oklahoman. Sealing, number four in the Oklahoman. They're number three in the Tulsa World. Laverne uh, is found number four in Tulsa World, number five in the Oklahoman. And then Hollis is into the top ten in Class B. They're number eight in the Oklahoman's poll, number seven in the Tulsa World Poll. So uh, we'll talk about what the uh, compare that to the AP when it comes out, either this afternoon or hopefully by, by the morning, we'll be able to see where everybody stacks up. Right. <clears throat> right. Let's see. Let's continue with the. Uh, Burns Flat deserves votes. They deserve. They're like Kansas. They deserve to be ranked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eagles five and zero. Oh. Uh, Coach Archer over there doing, doing a heck of a job. Great job. Yeah. Staying with high school. Well, uh, there's there's other sports besides just football going on in the high school um, athletic calendar. The Class A and Class B softball and fast, uh, fall baseball regionals were held at the uh, the end of last week. Class A fast pitch, Western Oklahoma is going to have a ton of uh, of support there in that tournament. Canute hosted a regional. They knocked off Tushka 5-2 to two on Friday afternoon, so the Trojanettes are into the state tournament. Congratulations to Coach Gillette. It's not just baseball that he can coach, apparently, to get teams to uh, state tournaments. He, he gets the Trojanettes there in softball. Also, Arapaho Butler with a 10-0 win over Hominy. The Lady Indians are back into the state tournament, and another uh, pair of Lady Indians, the Shattuck Lady Indians, um, knocked off Moreland 13-3. So Canute, Arapaho Butler, and Shattuck all in the Class A fast pitch state tournament. Yeah, that's great showing from the Western Oklahoma schools. They're saying they're not going to release the bracket till about noon today. So a lot of people in Canute are actually awaiting for that. My neighbors were asking me, when are they going to release it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't work there. But no, I was, I was told around noon. Um, yeah, in Arapaho and in Shattuck, too. It's going to be fun to see where they line up on that bracket. It, I think if you look at the rankings, you kind of get a good idea. Uh, or Canute might get a, a tough one out at Caddo. 
um, who's uh, number one in class A, if I'm not mistaken. And and um, but you never know. You got to play the game. Coach Gillette knows how to get teams to play good at the right time. That was thing I've always noticed when he's coaching baseball, and, and apparently he's doing the same thing uh, coaching softball. So congratulations to him, to uh, Canute, to Arapaho, and uh, to Shattuck. I, I love the Western Oklahoma representation there. Yeah, it would, if, if you're going by the rankings and the top eight all made it, which I think the top eight all made it to the state tournament, if it goes by that, then, yeah, Canute would play uh, Caddo, be on the same side of the bracket uh, with Shattuck and Sterling as the 4-5 and then uh, Arepo Butler would get number two. Ripley, Red Oak, and Surreal would be the other. If if that's how that right. shapes out with the, the the results and also the rankings, over in Class B, not as good a news, but uh, some teams had some really good seasons. Mountain View Godibo knocked off Hammond in an elimination game on Friday, twelve to seven. So Hammond season ended there. Mountain View Godibo season ended in the next game uh, to Tupelo. I think it was number one. Tupelo knocked off. Um, I know Turner's number one. That's who Sentinel played. But anyway, Tupelo beat Mountain View Go to Go 4-0, ending uh, the Lady Tiger season. Sentinel got themselves into the regional championship game. They beat Thackerville 7-5 early on Friday, but then they turned around and lost to number one Turner 10-0. So Sentinel's season ends a couple of wins short of the Class B fast pitch state tournament. Lakeba Sickles is there as the Lady Panthers beat Visai 3-1. That was a heck of a regional uh, with with Lakeba Sickles, Visai, Arnett. Every one of mm. those games was like a 3-1, 3-2, 2-1. Uh, but Lakeba Sickles does come out of there, and they'll be in the Class B state tournament uh, with a 3-1 win in the regional final over Visai. Move over to uh, fall baseball. The Canute Trojans back again. as the only thing that can, can keep Canute out of baseball state tournaments has been COVID over the last four years as uh, Canute's back with a 14-2 win over Red Oak. Uh, so the Trojans are into the state tournament in Class B. Granite was one win shy, and they remained one win shy as Buffalo Valley knocked them off 9-4 to four, uh, to keep Granite out of that Class B fall baseball state tournament. And then finally, uh, with the softball, the Clinton uh, Lady Reds go to class in SAS on Saturday, get two wins in that 4A play-in series. Clinton beat SAS 2 to nothing. And three to two, so the Lady Reds will be down in Lone Grove with Elk City, Lone Grove, and Chickasha in in the Class 4A regional coming up at the end of the week, and then also staying in that district because we wondered how good uh, that district was. Mm-hmm. Cash went to Ada, or Cash hosted Ada. They won easily, ten nothing, and eight three. So Cash wins their play-in series. So both of those play-in series between districts one and two go the way of District One. That only has to bode well for Weatherford, Clinton, Elk City, Tuttle, sure. Cash. Yeah. yeah, more more Western Oklahoma representation there in the large class, too. I love it. All right, let's try a break. When do you think we'll get that bracket? Probably today. Probably today, probably at noon. Yeah, I would assume it's all happened today. Um, you know, weather, sometimes weather delays some of this stuff, but there, there hasn't been any. There's no weather in this state, no. nothing that would delay games. No, so I would imagine today, tomorrow at the very, very latest, Perfect. that we'll have those brackets uh, for the regional tournaments and, of course, the state tournaments. We're hanging out at Big Splash Burger 201 South Pioneer. I'm going to dive back into this <laughs> breakfast scramble on this hash I need hash to make browns. the break longer Maybe for Maybe some toast as well. <laughs> hanging out at Big Splash Burger here this morning, 201 South Pioneer. They'll be serving you breakfast till 1030. And then that lunch rush goes from then till 2 o'clock. So come by, hang out with uh, Evan, Selena, Montana, all the crew here at Big Splash Burger, 201 South Pioneer. I'm telling you, Jared, my wife would be so impressed with what I've got here with all these vegetables. 
yeah. mixed into my eggs. Yeah. And there's jalapenos, there's bell peppers, onions, tomato, mushrooms, a little salsa. A little bit of everything. On the side. Love it. It's absolutely delicious. Man. So come on by and get you some fantastic food here. Not only breakfast, but also lunch. I'm telling you, at lunch, the burgers are outstanding. Mm-hmm. The uh, combo Philly cheese steak sandwich with some chicken and some beef. I like the wraps. It's very good. Wraps are good. Yeah, I'm a wrap guy. Chili cheese tater tots are good. I, I would get the queso sauce as opposed to the mm. shredded cheese, but that's, you know, that's my uh, preference uh, for what's going on here for sure. Jared, I hate to do this, but we're going to have to check the Western Oklahoma Real College Pick'em standings. Well, I picked TCU, so I feel good about that pick. You got one right? Is that what you're going to tell me here? Mm-hmm. You were able to was, sneak one yep, in there? That was it. The rest, I don't know. I didn't check. I kind of disconnected myself from college football after about well, after <laughs> 11, 15. Yeah, I mean, I checked scores, but you know what? We're going to do some other things today. <laughs> so that's what I did. All right, so the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings look like this. I can't say that first name, I'm afraid. Uh, but there's a lot going on there, man. Yeah, Andy Peffer, <laughs> defending champion. He was giving me all kinds of trash talk down out at the golf course after the tournament because he was winning some games that I wasn't. But uh, those guys are at 30 and 19. One game ahead of a whole bunch of uh, of us, TJ. TJ's, you know, he's kind of our resident OSU fan, right? Sure, yeah. And he continues to pick OU, and he continues, quite frankly, he continues to blame us for him picking OU. Hey, stop picking them. I could have told We're you. all going to stop picking them. You're not paying attention. I said last <laughs> week we made our picks Friday. I was very – I was very firm about TCU. Yeah, you're done with them. I'm done with them. Um, and maybe TJ can be too. Uh, Dustin, Coach Christian, he's there at 29 and 10. He had a nice week. And so it's kind of bunching up. I keep on, I'm, I'm constantly amazed. The second year we've done this. And I'm amazed how good everybody is at making these picks against the spread. I mean, 30 and 19, that's 11 games over 500. So if you bet 100 bucks, That's moneymakers. You bet 100 bucks every game, you would be up 3000 down 19 so $1,100 plus 190 So $990 winner, 910 That'd be right? Yeah, I'm doing the math right. <laughs> right you're the numbers guy. I'll just let it here. I trust your numbers. I think our next road show should be in Vegas. Almost $1,000 if you bet the same on every game so far. That's what these guys are doing. That's really, really good. 50 50 is pretty good. So, um, probably, see, look now. I can't, I keep on every time we do this, yeah. Jared, and look at these Western Oklahoma Realty College pick them standings. I keep on having a hard time finding you. I know. That's all right. Where are you? There's Hottie Toddy speaking of Western Oklahoma Realty. Ole Miss with a big win. Ole Miss with a huge win. I can't believe we haven't got a text about that just yet. No, we'll get there with the Oh, there you are, 39th. Thank you. 39th out of 76. That means you are in the bottom half. I'd rather talk about OU losing than that. Thank you to Tyler Harrison, Robbie Allen, and all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty. People before property is their motto. We appreciate them helping us out with the contest again this year. Okay. Do you want to go glass half full or glass half empty to start the college football talk? I don't think there's a full glass anywhere in Norman. Well, that's the, that's that's the question. Are we going to talk about OSU winning first or OU losing first? Let's start with the pokes. That was a big win. Huge win. Uh, Oklahoma State gets a little bit, exacts a little bit of revenge from the Big 12 title game lost last year. 
uh, knocking off Baylor 36 to 25 down in McLean Stadium. It was a it was a crazy game, right? The first half was kind of what I thought it was going to be: a lot more defense, a little bit less offense, slow scoring, kind of a knockdown drag out, and then Jaden Nixon just the lightning bolt to start the third quarter, running back the touch the kickoff for a touchdown, 100 yards, and then Oklahoma State used special teams. They had enough defense. They had just enough offense. Uh, Sanders uh, was was fine on on Saturday, uh, but Oklahoma State. I think even even better than just you know going out and, and scoring a ton of points and 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 it being all about Spencer Sanders uh, for you know the reason why that they won. I think this actually bodes even better than that for Oklahoma State with the way that they were able to get you know seventy nine or seventy five yards rushing. He didn't throw for two hundred, only threw one pick, scored two touchdowns. But for Oklahoma State to not only be able to win with that performance from Spencer Sanders, but win fairly comfortably. It never really felt like they weren't going to win that game. I think that's really good news for Oklahoma State. And, you know, all the talk last week was how even this conference was, who's the best, who, you know, and all the mm-hmm. way down through there. I think we can stop that, at least for right now. Oklahoma State is absolutely the best team in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, talk about big wins early like we did with uh, the Elk City Elks, you know, with inside track to a title. That's a big win for OSU, taking down Baylor on the road because now the other games look very manageable, hosting Texas, going to a lowly OU uh, towards the end of the year for Bedlam. Yeah, it's a, it's a big win. And Sanders, he did enough to – you know, he didn't have to overdo anything. He didn't mm-hmm. underperform by any means. He did what he had to do, knowing he has the pieces around him to beat, beat a pretty solid Baylor team, and they did it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and defensively, Oklahoma State is every bit – what we thought they would be. Are they as good as they were last year? No, they're not. But they're still plenty good enough to be able to to kind of state that claim to be in the best team in the conference. Sure. You know, they uh, they were able to come up with big stops. It, it feels like they're always in the backfield. I mean, with that, with that line, uh, the defensive line that they've got, I'm anxious to see them when you get more of the spread it out, and maybe it comes a little this week for sure against TCU in Texas if they can get that pressure quickly enough uh, with, with the teams that want to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands that fast. You know, it, with, with Baylor, it's kind of a run. It's kind of a play action. So that it gives time for Brock Martin and Trace Ford and Colin Oliver and all the rest to get back there and really cause some trouble in the backfield of Baylor. With these other teams, though, a lot of times, and we've seen this in the past with Tech especially, they just want to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And it, it kind of neutralizes – what the strength of OSU's team is, which is that defensive line, mm. if they just flat out don't have time to get back there. So that's that's another thing. But linebacker play, Mason Cobb was awesome. Uh, I had some concerns about him. He was great on Saturday. Uh, Secondary-wise, they're still figuring it out, but they're, they, they're kind of right there. It, 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 a little bit like last year in a lot of ways where, you know, they, they're just getting better and getting better and getting better. And if you're an Oklahoma State fan, I mean, what what is your expectation at this point? I mean, it, for me, at four and zero with that win on the road at Baylor, I think it would be a massive disappointment if OSU isn't in Arlington playing for the Big Twelve title at the bare minimum. I agree. Like I said, uh, that that was a big win early, and it would be a disappointing uh, finish if they're not there. So that, again, they they that was a big test on the road that they you know big early test, and they took care of it, and it just kind of answered a lot of our questions about OSU. Is the defense like last year? No, because a lot, a lot of the defenses years from now won't be like that defense. 
but they're good enough. They're good enough to be Big 12 championship good. So I I would be disappointed if they're not there in Arlington in December. Here's another thing to look forward to when we start getting a little bit closer and talking more of the playoff and, and strength of schedule and, and all that kind of stuff. At least this week, when you look at what Oklahoma State's got coming up on the road, they've got four. They're going to end up with four ranked opponents on the road, and one of those right now isn't Bedlam. Right. You got at Baylor. In two weeks, you go to TCU. Two weeks after that, you got Kansas State and Kansas back to back. Both of those teams are ranked right now. Uh, if I'd have told you that before the season, Oklahoma State was going to play four teams in the Big 12 that were ranked, and Oklahoma and Texas weren't either one of them. I think it have been we'd have been put in a home for saying something like that, but at least right now, that's the case on OSU's schedule. So the, the road tests are still there; they just may not be the ones that we thought they were gonna be to start the season. Yeah, yeah, like that's yeah, kind of summed up what I just said. Yeah, that, that those tests are there; it's not the right ones. But I think one of the biggest tests was already passed. That's Baylor. Yeah, no, the no. rest look pretty manageable, don't they? Yeah, is it is it because you don't trust those other teams because they're not the name that you're used to it being in Oklahoma? And Oklahoma State still is Oklahoma State. Yeah, probably. You no, know, T- TCU has come out of nowhere. They obviously look fantastic on Saturday in the beatdown of Oklahoma. Um, they're undefeated still at five and zero. You know that's a that that one looks a little bit more like what we thought Bedlam might be. You know, Kansas State. I thought that was a heck of a win for them on Saturday to knock off Texas Tech after the high of winning in Norman to be able to get back down and really kind of control that game throughout. So, uh, And then, of course, what the heck is Kansas? You know, we, I don't, yeah. They keep on winning, and game day is going to be there for Kansas TCU. A couple weeks late in my opinion, but maybe they're <laughs> kind of like me, wondering, you know, are they really good or are they just squeaking by? Or They're not even squeaking by. They're winning. Uh, they're winning good with a good quarterback and a, and a dang good coach, yeah. Yeah, they won it. The, that it was an ugly game on Saturday. Iowa State missed, what, two or three field goals, and they lose by three at Kansas. All right, beating around the bush long enough. Oklahoma, 55-24 loss down at TCU in Fort Worth on Saturday. Sooners defense gave up almost 500 yards in the first half. 479, I believe, was the exact figure. Fell behind 41-17. to uh, and TCU just dominated the Sooners from the very beginning of that game, forcing the fumble, what, two plays in from Marvin Mims, scoring, and just scoring at will as that game went along. Oklahoma's defense is not improved at all from what we thought it might be. It definitely isn't what we saw with the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, I'm wondering if that's becoming more obvious that the teams they played weren't as good as we thought they were going to be on offense. But TCU just throttled Oklahoma on Saturday. And now you look up. Sooners are three and two with all these games left against this this conference that feels so balanced and so deep with teams that are pretty good. Concern has to start for Oklahoma and the fans of Oklahoma and like what is going on here with the with the Brent Venables defense that we thought at the very least would be an improvement over what we saw for the previous five years with Lincoln Riley. First thought was, just like I said after Kansas State game, Rome wasn't built in the day. we got to give this time. If you're an OU fan, you got to give it time. Uh, it wasn't – if you you were a fool, if you thought Brett Venable's coming to campus and he's going to turn around this team, to, especially on the defensive side, to be championship caliber in, in less than ten months, forget about it. That, that's, that's not, that doesn't happen anywhere. Give him, a, give him time. His recruiting, it's still stellar. 
and he gets his guys on campus, I think we'll see improvement. But it's not going to happen this year. Here's a scary question. And I I thought it was just hyperbole when I thought of it. And then I thought about, about it more yesterday and even this morning. Where are the wins on the schedule coming up? Can you tell me? <laughs> Nothing's guaranteed. Kansas is good. It's at Ames for Iowa State. We mentioned OSU and how good they look. Baylor. Where are the wins, Aaron? After what we saw on Saturday, I don't think – It's not happening in Dallas. Let's just put that out there. That's not going to happen down south. I think that's going to be interesting because how many times have we seen over the past decade a Texas team that didn't even look like they should have been on the field with Oklahoma either play them close or win that game? Now, we we haven't seen this scenario in a while on the OU side. I guess 2009 would be the last time that Texas was favored – and, of course, that was a team with Colt McCoy that ended up playing Alabama in the national title game. Sooners were an underdog that day uh, with what we thought would be maybe Sam Bradford. He gets hurt early. Landry Jones has to come in. The Sooners made a valiant effort that day to beat that Texas team and didn't get it done. The, tw- the time before that would have been 2005 with Rhett Bomar at the helm, and Oklahoma just got ra- just run over by the eventual national champions with Vin- Vince Young in Texas. So OU – hasn't been in this spot nearly as much as Texas has going into this game where they don't they've where, been where in they're this huge game. underdog. Yeah, they, they, they've, been, they've been the team that's supposed to win, not the team that nobody thinks has well, any chance other, to win. Other times they've, been, they've actually not been favored in this game, but everybody felt like they were favored in this game. Well, they haven't been an underdog you since 2009. There's been times where they've gone in and, and it's like, well, they, yeah. so I don't see it. I, I see what you're saying. The, 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 the records and everything we just mentioned, you could throw it out when it comes down to this game. But to me, and especially if Ewers is back, the way that he could whip it around against Alabama, he looked very, very good. Now, is it going to be 100% back? That's what's scary if you're Texas, kind of like a Sam Bradford situation. Are they forcing him back too early? Does he take a wrong hit and then they're back? But there's a question, will Dylan Gabriel even play? Don't know. Is it booty time in Dallas? No. Yeah, I said it. No, it's I've not. I've been wanting to say that forever. No, it's is it booty not. time? It needs to if if Gabriel <laughs> can't play, it needs to be Nick Evers' time because he's the only one that's yeah. talented enough on the roster to even really be on the field in this game. Let's go back though to to, to Saturday. What I, I mean, obviously, tons of stuff has to change, but what is the fix? I, and I don't even mean a fix. What is a band aid that Brent Venables and his staff can put on? this Oklahoma defense to keep it because because it's obvious, it's blatantly obvious that Oklahoma's offense is not good enough to bail them out the way it has been for over the past you know five years since sure. Riley got here, even as the offensive coordinator. It's obvious that's not that the obvious that the offense isn't good enough to bail them out. So that means the defense is going to have to do something. So what is that band aid? What what can Brent Venables and that staff do to be able to try to lessen the blow? And and maybe win a game where you don't have to score to score forty. Yeah, I don't know. I it, I don't know if I want to simplify it, but I think he's kind of come in and done that. Maybe is, is he is he going back to being too complicated with with the uh, lineup situations? I don't know. Um, you, I think in it, I didn't see a lot love on Saturday, and then when it was there, the secondary would break down, but the edge rushing's got to improve, and there's got to get more pressure on the quarterback. And um, and then get them, you know, either force them to make a bad pass or, or and you know, force a turnover or or sack them. It but it seemed like there was a little bit of more pressure there, but he was able to step in and make a throw and 
and the rest is history. But I feel like edge rushing, uh, edge rushing is where it starts for me. Yeah, just pressure, period. Just get uh, pressure on the quarterback. I forgot to text. You know, it seems like the blitzes, <laughs> the blitzes that Oklahoma's running almost open them up to huge plays as opposed to trying to get back. Well, maybe they're, they're not able to better. get back in there. You know, there's times you saw they're going to blitz, and everybody knew they're going to blitz. Maybe disguise it better. Show blitz and then draw back, vice versa, stuff like that. It's like, okay, they're bringing it. Look, they're going to bring the house here, and they, they would, and they would almost get them and then break down. I don't necessarily understand running a bunch of three-man front because Oklahoma doesn't have the nose tackle, the big, giant nose tackle that is needed in that scheme to really make it successful. And then so from there, when you can't have a big guy taking up two of the offensive linemen, that puts your linebackers in a horrible spot. Because guess what? You're getting blocked every single play because nobody up front can keep them off of you. Right. And then, of course, you know, Downs and Grimes, we talked about them um, after the Kansas State game. Once again, you don't really hear much from either one of those guys. And, and quite frankly, in the back end, as soon as Billy Bowman went out of the game, you knew it was toast. It was over. Mm-hmm. That they, they just don't have guys don't, back there they don't have outside the of him right they don't. to be able to do it. No, it's, it's uh, lowly times right now, Norman, but I think they're becoming the team who we thought we – who we thought they would be, but what's scary is I think they could be worse. It, I think that's where I keep going back. I'm looking at the schedule and going, that's not a win. That's not a win. That's not, you know, where are the wins? It's and I was bashed for it on Saturday when I put that thought out there to a couple of my buddies and I said, you're just overreacting. I said, I don't know if I am. I really don't know if I am overreacting on that one. Well, and here's the truth. This team wasn't an 11-2 and team last year. Mm-hmm. They weren't. Caleb Williams bailed them out of two games that you can think of at Kansas and in, obviously down in, down in the Cotton Bowl that should have went on the loss column. And so I think a lot of these issues were there a year ago being masked a little bit. Now, we have to talk about what happened with Gabriel. Where in the hell were his teammates? Dude gets his head taken completely off mm-hmm. after he slides. Where are his guys? Nobody, nobody was there. To I mean, somebody should have gotten a fight over that, and instead there wasn't a soul there. The trainers were running out toward Gabriel faster, faster than any of the players. Where were his guys to step up? And you can't do that to my quarterback. I'm going to fight you. Where was that? That was the saddest part of the whole game to yep. me. Yeah, where in the world were his teammates taken up for him after he just got his head completely taken off on a play that was clearly a dirty play, ridiculously dirty play. And Oklahoma, nobody was there to fight. Right. And that, my friends, is not a good sign moving forward. No. If you're an, if you're an OU fan. And if that, is that a, a very telling sign of how the team feels about their quarterback? Um, I don't know. It remains to be seen, I think. Yeah, here's a, a great question. And I think this is exactly what we're talking about. Remember when Riley left and took the recruits and lost a bunch of their other highly recruited players? Talked in was it'd be a rough year. So what happened since then to make fans change their minds? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Football season started, and Oklahoma fans immediately assume that they're going to be good. Right. They immediately assume that their players are as some of the best ones in the country, either from recruiting rankings or just from hope. Well, guess what? Hope is done. You're seeing what's really out there. Yeah. 
And what's really out there is a bunch of guys on defense that you beat North Texas for, or you beat smaller. You're not, you're not, you're not seeing guys out on that field right now that were won, that, that recruiting battles were won against Alabama or against Georgia or against Clemson. Canick was, and where's he? I think I saw his face on a milk carton because <laughs> he, he was lost. Yep. Yep. So it, it, it's the harsh reality of what Jeremy's talking about here. When Riley left and took the guys that he took and the, and the recruiting class kind of fell apart, which was put back together in a, in a, in a, in a highly short, ranked way. Right. But we're not seeing any of those guys out there. And right. so you're continually watching the same guys on defense year after year, and it never gets better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the hope comes in with Venables. We mentioned the recruiting. He he had a great late surge last uh, December, January. Now again through the summer, July was was a boom for him, and that's where that's where the hope comes back for you if you're an OU fan. Like you, you know, the winning ways or it's it might be put on pause at least for this year. And I don't know if we'll see. You know, will they be better? I don't think this is like a long term thing, but because of those recruits that are coming in under his style. So give it time, and I, again, I keep you know Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was OU football. It took some time, and and, and they'll be back. It'll be fine, but this year though, it's it's you know get ready. It's going to be a rough one. Yeah, well, I mean, and Sam on the text line, Stoops went seven and five, Saban went six and six his first year. But here's the difference: you could see hope. Yeah. At the end of those, right at now, the end of those years, I mean, you can't like, even yeah. you can't even compare what's going on right now so with Stoops' first year. This is a challenge for it's a totally different for feeling. Venables, it's yeah, totally different look to it because he's going to have to get some wins, you know, and bring back some hope and some, you know, kind of stamp out that despair feeling, and then at the end of the year, you know, get into a nice bowl and then maybe win it, and people go, okay. This is what we think we're going to get. We're going to. This is the vision. This we're seeing a glimpse of what what a Venables coach team is going to look like. We saw that in the first three games, and and get you know you got to do it against quality opponents. Is what I'm saying. Get some of those wins, and then springboard it into the next year. Yeah, right so, now that's not. It's not. It's right going now. the other way right no, now. It's going the other and way there, right now. But time that's that's the challenge. It. Yeah, there's plenty of time. That's the challenge for Venables. Let's see if he can get it done. But here, here's the here's the doomsday scenario. If you're an Oklahoma fan, this continues. And then all those guys that you, you mentioned that are committed right now on the recruiting trail that yep. have Oklahoma in the top 10 in the nation right now bust off about a three and nine. Then what happens there? Mm-hmm. Do, they take the, do they take the point of view of, well, great. That means I can step in and play. Or do they take right. the idea of Venables can't hack it. Why would I, why would I waste my time there? Yep. And you're not talking about ones who are on the list, or even the, even the committed ones. I'm talking about the committed ones. Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking no, about no, the no. ones that are like at the top five or top three. No, 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 no. Okay. no. I'm talking about the committed all of ones. Them. All I'm talking about yeah. all of them. Yeah. Did I agreed? At what totally point agreed. does what point does that doubt come into your mind? Going, did I make a mistake? Is this not the right place for me? That's the that's the doomsday scenario with what's going on with OU football right now. But right, uh, it, it just watching that play on Gabriel and watching the just laissez-faire attitude of his teammates and nobody coming out there and wanting to get in a damn fist fight over what happened and the dirtiness of that hit. 
that told me more than I really wanted to know about where this season's going if you're uh, an Oklahoma fan because that is inexcusable for their guys to not at least I mean, at least get a penalty. Yeah. At least, at the very minimum, get a penalty for going and knocking somebody out. Instead, they just watched. I mean, they already had a penalty, so offset it. Go, yeah. go, go smack them. Do yeah. something. Do something. Do something. All right, around the country, you mentioned Ole Miss, the Rebels with a huge win at home against uh, Kentucky. Quite frankly, I watched a whole bunch of that game because the, the first play I saw of OU when we got done playing golf was a 65-yard touchdown run, and that was all we, that anybody in where I was sitting needed to see. Man, Kentucky had all kinds of chances. Missed a couple of field goals. Uh, an extra point, I think, was blocked. Then they throw a touchdown inside of a minute left. They don't, they don't get their guys set. So the touchdown comes off the board, would have been a game winner. And then Will Levis gets the ball knocked out of his hands on the very next play after he had fumbled on the Ole Miss 15, the drive before, trying to dive uh, for a first down. Heartbreaker uh, for Big Blue, as they absolutely should have won that game. But they didn't. Ole Miss did. And now Lane Kiffin and the Rebels uh, joining the top ten. And um, can, they, uh, can they be some sort of real threat to what's going on with, say, Alabama in the west side of the SEC as the Rebels 5-0, uh, 1-0 in the SEC so uh, far? That's – I don't know about that. but they, could, do, they do get that game at home. Yeah. I think what I saw, they were kind of lucky to win that game against Kentucky. If they had dominated them, I'd I'd be more on board with that. But it's the SEC, man. You're going to get those dog fights, especially you know a team that's favored on the road, like at an Ole Miss. Ole Miss is always tough to play in. So I, I'm not ready to jump on there yet. But who knows? It, like you said, it is it is at Oxford, Alabama coming to town. But by then, when is that? It's, uh, October 12th. Yeah, I mean I could see Nick Saban getting his team ready by that point, like really ready. So. Not ready to jump on, on board with that just yet. Georgia squeaked one out at Missouri as they were down 16-6 uh, to six at half. Uh, come back and outscore Missouri 14-3 in the, in the final quarter to win 26-22. And you hear that? Mm. You, you hear that? By God, is that Clemson's music? <laughs> yeah. Clemson with a win over North Carolina State 30-20. to 20. DJ Uingangalele. Wasn't great, but he ran for a bunch of yards. And so Clemson now back-to-back weeks, able to knock off two ranked teams in Wake Forest, who won at Florida State. And then also uh, they beat uh, North Carolina State there. So Clemson solidifying their, their place in the top five, at least for right now. Yeah, they, they look good uh, against a good NC State team. Um, you know, kind of like that same feeling. You can't really count them out because they still have a good coach, like Saban in, in Alabama, Dabo in, in Clemson. You know the saddest part of the college football weekend, Jared? What's that? Because OU got beat down so bad, we didn't have a chance to make fun of Texas A&M. Texas A&M went into Stark Vegas and got throttled by Mississippi State, the Pirate. Did you see what the It pirate, made the weekend a little easier. Like, it, if you're but it would have been a lot more fun if Oklahoma <laughs> wouldn't have laid sure. the giant egg and then you got to make fun of Texas A&M the whole time. Right. Did you see what, what, did you see what Mike Leach said? I did not. Oh, my gosh. He, when they ask him how come you have such good success against the Aggies, he said because uh, they, they tell you pre-snap exactly what they're going to do every time. Really? Like, whoa, shots fired at Jimbo. Wow. Yeah, defensively they line up, and I know exactly where they're going to be and what they're going to do. So if I can't call plays to, fit, to, to beat that, how good am I, basically? <laughs> That's great. Mississippi State wins 42-21. to 
to 24. And I mentioned Wake. Went on the road, gave Florida State their first loss of the season. Wake Forest wins 31-21 over the Seminoles. Anything else from college football kind of no, catch your eye? No, that good. Paul Christ is fired last night. That was a little, hmm. I don't know if shocking's the word. I thought maybe a little quick, quick on the draw. Yeah, you wonder if they want to give Jim Leonard I mean, a chance they, to prove what he might be able to do as the interim for seven games. If they're trying to get ahead of hiring Lance Leopold, uh, trying to trying to be yeah. on step for step with Nebraska, trying to do that. That might be an arms race deal. Yeah, try to see who can get to who first. Maybe a bidding war going on. I tell you what, whoever they get, they need to switch up their offense. It seems a little archaic, kind of like what Georgia you Tech. You think? Need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get. They need to. They need to get up and. Uh, with the modern times of college football. The last time the offense run that Wisconsin runs was formidable in college football, like the Andy Griffith show was on TV. And by the way, so much for Minnesota. We were touting them last week about how easy their schedule was, chance to run the table, maybe get to the Big Ten title game undefeated. Yeah, they lost to Purdue 20-10, to 10, so so much for that. See, that's the problem with teams that – Good teams, solid teams that get wins and then they look at the rest of the schedule and then they go and lay in it. I almost did that against Kansas State, but I picked them. I had a feeling they were not going to fall into that trap. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle this back to Elk City. <laughs> You're a good team. Don't let that one win Friday derail your season by going to cash and losing because you thought, well, the rest of the road is easy. That's not the case. You know what game looks pretty good? Not this week, but next week. What's that? All of a sudden. Bama at Tennessee, and especially if Bryce Young isn't 100% healthy. Yeah. That one looks pretty sweet. I've, I've been high on Tennessee. All right, let's take a break. I've been high on them. Okay. When we come back, we'll hit some NFL, get ready to uh, wrap it up. From Big Splash Burger right here on 201 South Pioneer in Elk City, you got, uh, what, 30 minutes left? Come get some breakfast. If you don't want breakfast, there's awesome lunch items we'll be telling you about in the next segment. Well, on the road today here at Big Splash Burger, 201 South Pioneer. In Elk City, they got breakfast till 10.30, and then they'll serve you lunch till 2. We'll be on the road again tomorrow, Jared. Janice's Cafe. Try it. There in the uh, strip mall out by the movie theater. And then on Thursday, down at the intersection of Highway 152 and Highway 6 at Poppy's. So a couple of chances to, to see you guys out and about this week with the Skinny on Sports. Uh, where's Jim? Jim is... Uh, he had a medical thing uh, this morning that he had to take care of, so Jim not joining us. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah, it, was just, just, it wasn't an emergency thing. It was, was a, it was a, a scheduled yeah. planned thing, just yeah. to be clear. He's fine. He'll, he'll be on it, too. He's getting an injection, yeah. He, he'll, sure. He'll be on it, too, I'm right. sure. Uh, if you want to hear about uh, – OU fans may not want to listen to his show today. Eh. <clears throat> not only with the Sooners, but also with, uh, with Baker Mayfield's performance in the NFL on uh, yesterday against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of NFL. I'm still confused. What NFL teams are bad? Question well, on the text line from Drew. Well, I'll tell you who's supposed to be good that's bad is uh, Indianapolis. And I'll tell you who, uh, who is supposed to be good that's bad is Jonathan Taylor. What a sad pick. Number one pick in, the, in our fantasy draft by me of Jonathan Taylor. And now listen, everybody that has any idea about anything wanted Jonathan Taylor to be the number one pick. Another reason not to listen to the gym show today, maybe because uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Jets. 
Steelers did lose to Blowing the Jets. Blowing a 10-point lead. Kenny Pickett time came in. They and, made the uh, switch, though. He threw a couple of interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, probably, Baker. Probably good if your last name has pick in it. They picked him off. I'll tell you who is good is the Texans Can- are bad. That Kansas City offense. Oh my. That Kansas City offense is off the charts good. Last night uh, against a defense that had played really well early on in Tampa. Kansas City was unstoppable. Mahomes, uh, we we talked about it with the loss of Tyreek Hill. Would it make him almost a better quarterback? I think the answer to that is yes, where he's actually having to play quarterback. Look at his reads, not just rely on firing it way down the field to Tyreek Hill. Obviously, Kelsey is still there, and, and he's a huge force for that for that offense at the tight end spot. But, man, when they get humming like that, Kansas City was just dominant. And uh, by the time that Brady kind of settled in and started bringing his team back, it was way too late. Uh, 38-17 at one point. Kansas City wins 41-31, so the, the Chiefs improved to 3-1. and one. You know who else is 3-1, and one, Jared? Who's that? The Dallas Cowboys. Try Dallas it. Cowboys are 3-1 and one on the season uh, with a 25-10 win over the Washington Redskins, the Dallas Cowboys. Do you really think that there, there's a true quarterback controversy here with uh, Cooper Rush, the first Cowboys quarterback in the history of the franchise to go 4-0 and in his first four starts? Or is that just uh, much ado about nothing and by the time – that Dak is ready to come back, he'll be the quarterback, and, and kind of all will be uh, pushed water under the bridge. I don't think there's a controversy in, until Dak comes back and when he plays bad or, or throws a bad interception or, or loses a game. That's when you're going to start hear those murmurs of, well, uh, the la- the other guy doesn't lose. So I, that, I don't think there's a – when he's healthy and ready to go, he's going to take the snaps and be their quarterback but those murmurs won't start until that first bad game happens. And it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Cooper Rush is going to have a bad game. It's going to happen. But um, as long as he keeps winning, they, people are going to want a controversy. You know, even Jerry Jones wants a controversy. I think that's the fuel Dak uh, when he comes back. Yeah, I agree with Drew. Tired of the Cooper Rush talk. He isn't special. I, I agree. That he, he's managing the game. And, and here's, that's what it is, yeah. But, he, but here's what has to happen. Guess who, uh, who, guess who else isn't special? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. Yeah. And so you have a defense that is absolutely as good as anybody in the league at what they do. I mean, yesterday, if Washington was second and nine or third and long, it was, a, it was just a horrific play for a while. They had no chance no, yeah, you, with that pass yeah. rush heating up and, and with Parsons being so good and so dynamic and you having to worry about where he's at on every single snap, gets other people uh, able to, to get back there in the backfield as well. Uh, Diggs uh, was was awesome in his way. Um, he, he was just incredible. That is the way you win games, Dak Prescott or not. And so maybe this can be a blessing in disguise for the Dallas Cowboys when they see, okay, this is how we win. And then when you can put a better player at the quarterback spot but still do the same things, maybe then those wins become just a little bit easier instead of it being a game into the late third quarter yesterday against Washington before um, Rush found CD, and that was kind of the end of the game. Right. But the formula is there. The formula has been seen, and hopefully Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and quite frankly Dak Prescott is able to continue that formula because you have to wonder how much – of the struggles that the and the game plan, what it looks like for Dallas is Prescott changing plays from runs to passes and the freedom that he enjoys to mm-hmm. be able to do that. 
maybe this even helps him to set out, watch some of these games, and it definitely helps the Dallas Cowboys to not have to rush him back because you've done a, you've done a nice job. You, take, you, you haven't taken on water. You've continued to win some games. Right. And so now you don't have to rush him back right. and maybe get him hurt for the rest of the season. I fully expect to see Cooper rush on Saturday or on Sunday against the Rams. Yeah. Unless he's just completely healthy. Yeah, I agree. I, I And it buys them time when you got a guy, you know, don't rush him out there. Uh, Dak, that is, if Cooper Rush just – the managing game the, the thing for me is is big because knowing, again, it's a trust thing, knowing you got a defense that's going to take care of it for you, get those other guys. You're right. When it was third and 10-plus for Washington, forget about it. You knew that they were going to get off the field and – or, or that Dallas was going to get them off the field, and they did more often than not. And that can be said all year long outside of the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, having Michael Gallup uh, back look good. That, that helps. Uh, it definitely, you know, it, it helps the offense having that extra weapon out there on the outside. I mean, Dallas looks good. Dallas looks better than probably I thought they might to start the, the season. The running game looks like, again, managing. There's nothing flashy about the running game, but they're getting enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With Zeke and – and um, um, Pollard. Pollard, thank you. I call him Parcel. <laughs> Pollard. And that's – I mentioned that last week, and I saw it again this week. It's just a, a one-two punch, and it's nothing flashy, but it, it works. It's moving the f- football and putting Cooper Rush in manageable situations when it's third down. You know, not third and long, it's third and, okay, just dink it down for a four-yard gain, I'm good to go. Something rolling out underneath, something like that, letting his guys go to work. Yeah, and Dallas had a hard time running it yesterday for the most part. Too many lo- – I mean, it felt like Jonathan Allen uh, was back there making two- or three-yard losses, especially when the Cowboys were trying to seal that game. Yeah, but that, a lot of that was just handed off and let's keep the clock moving. It was enough. Uh, Buffalo came back to Baltimore. Man, the Ravens, they've, they've kind of got a little bit of a of a, their, a script to their games. They played great in the first half, hold on to win or even get beat in the second half. <clears throat> that game was 17 to th- uh, 20 to 3, excuse me, a 17-point lead for Baltimore at the end of the first half. Buffalo scored right before halftime to pull it back to within twenty to ten. Then outscored the Ravens thirteen nothing in the fourth or in the second half. John Harbaugh goes forward on a fourth and goal from the two in a tie game. Instead of kicking a field goal, uh, he had an explanation of what he thought was the reasoning behind that. I don't know if anybody really bought it, but uh, man, that's a I didn't hear it. That was a chance to the analytics. Of yeah, it. the analytics the of it. Yeah, and, the analytics of it and that kind of stuff. And and I thought Jason Garrett, for the first time in his TV career, made a good point on Sunday Night Football <laughs> with the the problem. Just his TV career. Yeah, the problem wasn't necessarily the call. The problem was Lamar Jackson throwing a pick, and so instead of Buffalo taking over at the two, even if you stop, even if they get stopped. When he threw the interception in the end zone, it became a touchback. Then Buffalo got to start out at the 20, and there wasn't near as much pressure on Josh Allen and that offense to make plays. And, and I think that was part of what Harbaugh was saying. Listen, we get stopped, we get stopped, but they're backed way up. Yeah. Instead, interception in the end zone, and, and things went south for, uh, <clears throat> uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. But Buffalo needed that win, too, after losing last week. Their offense coordinator might have broke the press box if they had <laughs> yeah. lost that game. All right, man. It's good stuff. Good. Speaking of good stuff, this uh, breakfast I'm going to finish here in just a second. <laughs> We're at Big Splash Burger. Thank you to uh, Evan in Montana 
for allowing us to come hang out here this morning, 201 South Pioneer. Still a few minutes, 15 minutes, come by and get you some breakfast. Also, there should be serving lunch until 2 o'clock right here at 2 or 2.30, actually. It's 2.30 here. 201 South Pioneer, uh, 2.30 will be the lunchtime. Come get a burger. Come get that um, combination Philly. Well, it's, that deal is really, really good. Yes, it is. I think we did it. I think we, we did it. First time <laughs> with new equipment. A little hiccup early, but we'll hiccup. Uh, we're all right. We got now it. Now we know. Oh, we got it done. All right. Everybody tomorrow? have a yeah. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll be down at uh, Janice's Cafe tomorrow doing the same thing. Come by and see us. Spin the Skinny on Sports right here on ninety-eight point one FM Sports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.